Good morning and welcome to the Non Sequitur Podcast. This is Melissa taking the lead for our live reporting from PAX 2011. I am currently in the car dropping Luke's breakfast all over creation. Sorry, Luke. My scones. (laughs) But my real purpose in uh, coming to you early this morning, early, early, early this morning. Although 20 minutes late. (laughs) Not my fault. Uh, is to just give a little bit of background for those of you who've never been to PAX or those of you new listeners who uh, maybe don't know us very well and haven't heard us talk about it in the past now, before. What is PAX? What is PAX? I, I have notes. Oh. I went on Wikipedia this morning. So, um, yeah, so I know things about PAX now. So PAX stands for the Penny Arcade Expo. And we're not talking Penny Arcades like the old school you know, boardwalk, pinball machines. Although that probably is where the name originally comes from. Well, Penny Arcade is a pretty famous web comic um, that deals with a lot of nerdery and gaming. Its creators, Jerry Holkins and Mike Krolik, are from the Seattle area. And way back, way, way back, or, you know, 2004 anyway, these guys decided that it would be pretty cool to get together with 3,000 of their closest friends and play games for a weekend. What kind of games? Tabletop games, board games, card games, dice games, and video games. Believe it or not, the first packs did include video games, contrary to popular legend. Um, Microsoft and Ubisoft and, Soft and a couple of other people brought some games yeah, some, for people to demo. Some Halo Land tournaments or something? Yeah, actually. Microsoft let people play Halo 2 before it was released at the very first PAX. Yeah, very first PAX uh, in Seattle was a two-day event. They had games, they had bands. Sounds like a grand time was had by all. In total, about 3,300 people attended. This is 2011, so of course, as things do, the thing has grown since then. Um, we are looking at probably closer to 60,000 people as opposed to 3,300. PAX has actually gotten so big and so popular across the United States that in 2010, they started a PAX East in Boston so that East Coasters would not be ruining all of our Seattle fun. We don't want you East Coasters on our side. Get out. <laughs> Clearly, Luke's got some biases. Um, but PAX East in 2010, this year at PAX East, they had 59,000 people. Really? Yeah. Great. 2011, Great. PAX East, 59,000 people. No reports yet uh, for how many badges have been sold for this year's PAX Prime. It sold out in record time. In Seattle, time. it did sell out in record time. Uh, we are looking forward to a weekend of gaming and gaming-related shenanigans. Did you bring the hand sanitizer? I brought lots of hand sanitizer. Good. I will be drinking that. Please don't. It's it's <laughs> not good for you. 62% alcohol. But we um, we should be playing a lot of video games. New games, games about to be released, games that they're trying to get sold um, that may have just been released in some cases. There will be board games. We have yet to play board games when we go to PAX, but this could be the year. You want to be the, the guinea pig? I, you know... I, I don't I, like game, board games enough to, to waste time on them. I may go check out the board games. We shall see. There will be panels relating to video games and other nerd-centered topics. Yes. I, I don't know. Um, live podcasts will be recorded besides this one. This will um, be the best. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. You guys should all listen to Giant Bomb. If you can handle the swearing. Um, for those of you delicate listeners out there, please don't. If you think that we are explicit on iTunes, um, <laughs> yeah. they're quite a bit more so. 
Um, we're explicit because Luke doesn't want to offend anybody. They're explicit because they actually are. <laughs> um, but we are on the road getting ready to head out. And uh, I'll be coming back to you with live updates. I'll be interviewing the guys after they play their hardcore games and trying to bring you interesting and fun reports throughout our weekend at PAX. So stay tuned. So we are officially at PAX, standing in line, joined by regular contributors. Luke. And... Ow, Kelly. <laughs> and uh, we are a little bit late this morning, so we are in the outside line, which I think is making Luke happy because... Uh, it is cool, I'm not in the sun, and there's a nice breeze. It's true. Plus, we are getting full view of a great many awesome costumes. Who have we seen so far today? Uh, we've seen Doctor Who and um, one of the Jedi. I don't know if he is like Obi-Wan or if that's Anakin. I... He's a Jedi. He's a Jedi. He He's a Jedi. Has his own name. If he's properly nerdy. Wait, like, I yeah. should ask him what his name is? <laughs> I might do that. I, I see a sword that's at least seven feet tall. I can only see the, the hilt of it and the handle, so. We've also seen an assassin, a medieval assassin of some kind. Kelly claims to have seen a gypsy, but I, I don't think he's right. I, I don't know about the gypsy either. I've seen a girl in a tutu, which is... It's a true story. She had a caravan and everything. What? <laughs> well, she's selling dags. Dags. Yes. All right, so gentlemen, what are we excited about first when the doors finally do open? I think the plan is to run to the big game hall. Yeah, we need uh, Shadow of the Colossus shirts. Yes, if we can get the shirts, that'd be great. Otherwise, we'll probably just hang out in Sony for a little bit and get our bearings. All right, sounds good. We will check in once this madness has started. Is there anything in here worth keeping? So, I'd like to introduce you to some guest contributors we'll be talking to today and possibly throughout the weekend. Uh, our hosts, where we are staying, this is... David Chen. And... Madge Stetson. They are wonderful friends from Olympia, um, who now live in Seattle, hosting us for the weekend. So, David, what are you most looking forward to this weekend? Uh, well, actually, the Proto Men are playing tonight um, at uh, El Carazon. So I'm looking forward to seeing them again. Excellent. What are you looking forward to, Madge? I just want to go to the exhibition hall and see all the stuff. All the people in costumes. I love the costumes. We've seen some pretty sweet ones this morning. We figured out that the gypsy was, in fact, not a gypsy. We saw an Ewok who looks like he's about to die of heat stroke. And there's a young man standing right next to us with some really impressive fake fur facial hair. Um, Luke's going to try and get a picture if he can. Melissa's game update number one. I actually played a game before Luke did today, but uh, we've been spending some time at the Ratchet and Clank All for One booth. This game is crazy fun. I'm actually surprised at how well I am able to play, even with strangers, even not really understanding all of the directions. It's like a football mask on that little girl. Uh, we have some hats here, paper hats for each of the main characters in the game, Ratchet, Clank, Quark, and Dr. Nefarious. And Luke found a couple of adorable little girls wearing Ratchet and Clank hats and uh, hopefully got their permission before he I took pictures that. of them. Did you not see me? I walked up, I said, are these your kids? He said, yes. I said, can I take a picture? He said, absolutely. Fantastic. Now, what do you think of the game so far, Luke? I'm definitely going to rent this. I want Amy to come over and we'll do a four-player, like, to the end. Yeah. It, it should be a lot of fun. It's really fun. And we had talked about this before, that I thought you could handle it, and you weren't so sure. Yeah. How, how do you feel now? I feel really confident about this game. I mean, I'm 
The demo's hard because the learning curve's pretty steep. They don't teach you all the stuff. And this might be a level that's like four or five in. It looks like it's a pretty hard level. So um, the, the nice stranger man who was playing with me was very kind in not yelling at me when I sucked. So it was awesome. Plus, we did score hats by being honest, decent, hardworking people. And now we have free shirts. Woo! We have so many shirts. We have more shirts than we need. We'll do a shirt rundown at lunchtime. Okay. All right. So Kelly, you just played Resistance 3 with the PlayStation Move Sharpshooter attachment. What did you think? It needed to be calibrated because I was aiming above the television to shoot things on the screen, so it would have been better if it had been calibrated, but whatever. Is it something you would be willing to try, like if you could rent the attachment to play it on your home TV and calibrate it and get it all set up without having to commit to purchasing it, is it something you would try? Yeah, if I could rent it, sure. So do you like playing, I guess, with the Move as opposed to the controller? No, I think I prefer the controller. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. But if you could, I mean, it would be... Back in the day, you used to be able to rent whole video game systems, and it's really a bummer that the the movie, you know, the video store industry has basically shut down so that you're... So that we can't rent some of these cool video game add-ons that I think would be pretty sweet. Uh, the beginning of this conversation, which Luke may or may not have stitched onto this, was uh, Luke discussing the fact that apparently I can identify video game guns by sound. Yeah, in, in Uncharted 1, there was a German MP40 rifle that Melissa used to think was like unnecessarily loud for the game, and she just heard it across the room and was like, I know that gun! Yep, so we're still hanging out with Sony, we're going to take a walk around and come back to you later. I just saw one of my students walk by. This could be the weirdest PAX yet. So it's lunchtime. We've done about two hours of PAX. Anything exciting you want to share? We got a lot of t-shirts. I think we've said that already. But I just keep looking at the bag. And Shall we do the t-shirt recap then? Oh yeah, let's do a, a recap for so far. What do we got? So the free t-shirt that came in the swag bag. Which is awful. Yeah, but it could be a good use in it, our it? staged murder. Yeah, I don't we're know. Actually gonna, like, we're going to murder Melissa. We'll tell you more later. Yeah. Um, you got a Starhawk t-shirt. I did. Are you pretty excited about yeah, that one? Yeah, I'm happy that you told me to go back and return it for a smaller size. I actually walked up to the booth and I said, hey, turns out my wife thinks I should have a medium. He's like, I know how that goes. I was like, you got a good wife? He goes, yeah. She always helps me correct my clothing mistakes. So. Excellent. Sony is giving away a lot of shirts in American Apparel. They're soft. They are soft, but it means we've had to readjust some of our sizes. Yeah, when they're American Apparel, you need to go a little bit larger. When they're anybody else, you need to go smaller. Right. Um, so we ended up with Eco shirts for the guys, because you like Eco and you play the game and it matters and is awesome. And then we did some wheeling and dealing with some strangers in order to hook ourselves up with Ratchet and Clank. I didn't even look at the Ratchet and Clank logo. Is it just like the four of them on the The four chest? characters for the Ratchet and Clank all for one. I got so the squid one. What? You got the squid one. There's a squid, squid one. Squid option. Are you joking? Oh. No. I'm making this up. There's a squid in the game or there's a squid on the shirt? Squid the shirt. I don't understand. It's a squid shirt. Is it connected to Ratchet and Clank? Yes. What? Oh, I mean, maybe it's one of the enemies in the game. I think so, yeah. Yeah. I want to see this. We'll pull it out. Uh, we'll so. full time as you dig around your I bike. also got a shirt from some nice guys making um, iPad, iPod, iPhone games. What? That is a rad shirt. That is a pretty rad shirt. <laughs> that is a really cool shirt. It looks like a yield sign, kind of. Or like a, ca yeah, like it's a caution like sign. With, uh, it's got a big googly eyed squid with uh, lightning bolt through his head. Yes. 
pretty cool. He's had a rough day. Yeah. Um, but I got a shirt from the guys who make the leftovers. Did that one small enough for you? Tower defense game. They had a medium, but come on, it's three guys working, you know, probably out of somebody's basement in Bellevue or you know some small office space making these games, and I wanted to support them, so they offered me a shirt and I took it. Is that iPad only? It is iOS right now, but they are working on moving into Android soon. Okay. Cool. So. So Nick, soon you'll be able to play The Leftovers. Yes. And Courtney, you would be able to play The Leftovers, especially if you play by yourself. Because the nice guy let me win, which I appreciated very much. You playing against him? Yeah. He wanted it's a multiplayer iPad game? Yeah, so you can connect your devices and oh, play against people. It is kind of cool. I, I, I would be hesitant to play against someone I didn't know because they're probably way better than I am. But I, I felt like... I could have held my own versus Luke, who also doesn't know how to play the game, and I did appreciate the developer not working too hard to beat me. That's always nice at PAX, when you have developers who really could just stomp you to the ground and they play nice. Yeah. I'd and be I a bad developer, to, I think. I, I mean, it's the first time I've ever actually played an iPad game. Really? Really. First time handling an iPad, or just playing a game on one? Really, first time handling an iPad. I, I mean, more than you know, clicking on it at Best Buy, I have no opportunities for an iPad, so it's pretty cool. I mean, I can understand the appeal of touchpad gaming for that sort of easy-to-learn type of game. Absolutely. Yeah. Kelly, stop eating chips. Talk to nope. us about games. What game show? I don't know. What we have played, you played? You played a lot of Ratchet. I did play a lot of Ratchet. How do you feel about Ratchet not being the typical third-person? I think it's great. I think player. it's a great multiplayer game. You know, it's can die but you, the consequences are minimal so it's fun for a group of people and did you ever have a case where both of you died yes and what happens well, just goes back to a checkpoint or yeah you just go you pop back to the last checkpoint which is maybe a minute behind you okay so it's not a lot of backtracking a lot of good level if you, design if you will die fighting a boss like happened to me um it just takes you right back to the beginning of that boss sure so sure I wanted to mention that, that Starhawk looks fantastic. Uh, it's scheduled for 2012. What I played looked done. Like, the environments looked great. The gameplay was really solid. There was no frame rate issues. There was no network problems. Like, we played a 10-minute match, and it was perfect. That may be all of the game that is... No, because they've showed at least three different levels. Okay. Like, I, I, I'm really curious what's taking so long. You guys played some Trine. What did you think of it? I like single much, player trying better, I think, than yeah. multiplayer. It's very much like the first one. Is but that it's, bad? But it's, it's co-op now. It's co-op before. How did it work before? Same kind of thing? Exactly each person. Same. Yeah. What happened if you only had two people? Could you then each toggle you into the other person? You toggle your characters, okay. I believe. So yeah, we haven't really played much today. We kind of walked around and looked. It's only been two hours, though, so... That's true. I, and, I mean, we, we spent a significant chunk of time there at the Sony booth both with Ratchet and Clank, getting t-shirts, some Starhawk, and Resistance 3. I mean, we are... Oh yeah, you played the sharpshooter. Oh, I try, yeah. What are we, halfway through a Sony Passport, getting things... Yeah, we still have Uncharted, which Kelly will take the brunt of that blow, I think. Yeah, because Luke refuses to no, spoil this story for himself. What else is on the Passport? What are the games? Oh, Twisted, Twisted Metal. Metal. Is that it? I think that's more? it. I think it's just oh, five. Wow. And then we're just in a contest at yeah, that point? Yeah, we enter a drawing okay. at that point, which could be kind of fun. We can make that happen. Yeah. What's the uh, what's the drawing for? Oh, the stuff in that glass ch uh, chest that was like the limited edition resistance art book thing and like figurines and I don't know, it, it was stuff. You should pay me. 
They should pay. They should just they give should you money if you win. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Actually, that's a good point. If we win, does only one of us win? Yes. You probably don't want most of the stuff anyway. No. And you probably win a prize out of that. And maybe. As opposed to the that would make more sense. whole kitten caboodle. I hate that word, that phrase. Sorry. It doesn't even make any sense. I feel, <laughs> I feel this has been a group effort, though. Yeah? We so should we should all have. just split it? Or sell it on eBay or Craigslist and split the money? Yeah. Well, give me the money. That's not the same thing. You just said split it. Well, Giv- giving you the money is not the same thing as splitting the money. Maybe you don't know this. <laughs> All right, so what's on the docket for this afternoon, after we're done eating? Uh, Kelly, do you have any panels? Well, yes. mentioned the Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Are we going to have to be in line, like, two hours ahead? <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Um, so Assassin's Creed thing. Yeah, we're going to watch uh, Toby Turner do some silliness up on stage with a guitar and a microphone. Wait, that has something to do with Assassin's Creed? Yep, these are doing a literal trailer, which is where they play a trailer for the game, and he will tell you literally what's happening on the screen by <laughs> singing a song about it. Okay. It's pretty. It's usually pretty entertaining. That sounds fun. He has lots of these on videos on YouTube. He did see, He did one for the most recent Resident Evil movie. Okay. And uh, Mila Jovovich actually contacted him and told him it was the funniest thing she'd nice. ever seen. Yeah. So, so. Something people can find on YouTube? Yes, yeah, just look up uh, Tobuscus. Yeah, how do you spell that? T-O-B-U-S-C-U-S. Okay. I'm and glad then, you spelled it, because that's not how I, I... I think I would have used a K. Gotcha. Yeah. And then I don't have anything until Giant Bomb tonight at 9, 8, something like that. Okay. So we'll wander the expo hall, see some more games. Play some stuff. Yeah, I'm excited for some indie games. I haven't even seen... I, I'm really having fun meeting small developers. They they're, seem, they're great. They seem really interested to talk to me. I want to talk to the developer of that uh, Lord of the Rings game. She seemed pretty cool. Yeah. They, uh. So the, the challenge is that publishers... Let me back this up for people that don't know. Developers make games. Publishers sell the game that has been made. Um, so often the publisher doesn't like the developer having direct contact with the audience. They, they, they like kind of being that middleman to control the message and control what gets said. So it's rare to actually see a developer, especially for that Lord of the Rings game, which is quite large, at a show like this. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to kind of pick her brain and see kind of what goes into making a licensed franchise game. How much freedom do you have? Do you have to like sign off with, you know, the Tolkien estate and, you know, five different other people that own some part of the property? And she may or may not know all those dealings, but she could definitely tell you about the creation of the game, yeah. which is also really cool. I, I'm, I'm curious about that kind of stuff. Talking to the guys making the leftovers, they were really interested in hearing what kind of game, you know, because I really enjoyed their game, and they were like, well, you can be critical. I was like, no, I really liked it. I found it was easy to learn, easy to play, it was cute. And they're like, no, really, you can tell us it sucks. I, I know, and so they wanted to know a little bit about what kind of gaming I do to figure out if I'm part of their core demographic or... Not mostly. You're not because you don't own an iPad. Right, but <laughs> but it sounds like I am part of a market that they could reach if you know if they expand out into other kinds of tablets or you know sure, looking sure. to go to Android and, and some of that stuff. Not a Facebook gamer. I because that was one of their questions: is do you do any social gaming like on Facebook or other social media? And so it sounds like trying to get a sense of who can we market to people. You know what kind of people are enjoying our game. Is the sun getting on you, Kelly? Yeah. Uh, I chose the better uh, seat here. So we are, yes, now in the midst of a battle with the sun because Kelly was gracious enough to let me eat outside for lunch today. <laughs> He's regret- I will let you eat inside tomorrow. It was very gracious of me. It was. I very much I'll let you slide it. closer to me if you really want. Don't touch me. I said slide. 
Not the same thing. All right, while the boys have their little tiff, I think we will have some lunch and come back to you a little bit later. So for the last, I don't know, 10 minutes or so, I've been watching people play various games using the motion control systems, specifically Kinect. And I'm noticing that what I believe to be true about motion control gaming is in fact true. You don't feel awesome and cool like you're really doing it. You just look like an idiot. You feel a little self-conscious about your body movements? Flailing and, you know, juking and whatnot, standing in front of a TV or a monitor. It's, it's really quite silly. Most people don't even seem to be really putting in much effort. They, they have a half-hearted, like, eh. I think they're worried that if they are trying too much, that people are just going to think they're silly. Well, but it is silly. And that's my whole point, is that the, the, the marketing about this being super awesome and real, not it's not working for me. We'd like to introduce a new person to this episode before I knock over the sign. Uh, Kelly's sister here is here. Uh, Kimma, would you like to say anything? Uh, I'm just in shock. This is very different. <laughs> Have you ever been around so many nerds before? Never. And and, and I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, do I express myself fully as a semi-nerd at times, or do I just stand back and just observe? Right now, I'm just observing. You're far more attractive than most of the girls here. Has anybody come up to you thinking you're like a booth babe or a representative for anything? Not yet. Not yet. We need to get you a different shirt. She's not, she's not dressed slutty she enough. She needs to have like a Sony shirt or something I on. Almost bought a like an, a table of elements shirt kind of like you're wearing um, but I, I didn't. If you come back tomorrow we should get you a shirt and you can fake yourself into something. Good I'm gonna do it let's do it yeah. Any thoughts Kelly at this juncture? Squeedly spooge. It is so loud in this room it's almost unbearable. And now for a live reporting first Luke is gonna take over the mic and go interview some indie gamers. All right, so now I'm here at the uh, Joe Danger, Danger in Hollywood game. Uh, I'm with... Gareth. Gareth, I'm a qu I have a question. Where are you from? I am from Guildford, UK. Do you know anything about Lewis Hamilton? Lewis Hamilton? You sound like <laughs> Lewis Hamilton. Oh, do I? That's quite a compliment. He's quite a cool guy. <laughs> Any idea if he's from the same area? Um, I don't think so. He's from... I think he's um, slightly more south of me. I think he's from like a bit more of a village. All right. Are you, are you a Formula One fan? Uh, I do like Formula One. I'm right. not a massive fan, but it's, it's fun to watch. All right, so what game do you have here today at PAX? So here today at PAX we have Joe Danger, Danger in Hollywood, which is a sequel to Joe Danger 1, but it's only a sequel of sorts. It's much, much bigger than Joe Danger 1. I, I, see, a, I see a police bike on the screen right now. Can you tell me more about the vehicles in this one? Right, so we've got a police bike, which is similar to the bike you were on before, but maybe a little bit heavier, and you've got to do things like you've got to catch all the bad guys you got to land on bad guys trucks like the targets in the first one apart from you got to shut down they're like sneaky deeds you got to punch them off their motorcycles to dispense a bit of justice and get them all way across the finish line and then we've got minecart which is like you're in a dangerous falling down sure. mine kind of thing you're jumping like holes in the mine track ducking under big cogs or there's guys that throw TNT at you while you're in there but spicing things up a bit I really enjoyed the first game. I actually just played it on Tuesday with a friend of mine. Uh, we, we particularly like the level editor stuff. So will that be back for this game? Yep, that's completely back. It's, uh, it's how we make all of our levels, in fact. So every level you see here today, I made in the, exactly the same sandbox as you've played at home. Is it hard watching people play the levels that you've made when you're sitting here? Do, uh, do you kind of think, no, I didn't mean for it to be played that way as, as they're doing it? Uh, it's not hard to watch. It's more... Uh, 
interesting to see how people react to what you've made for them. So it's kind of good because we're in like quite early stages. So we've got a few vehicles that we haven't shown before that are very different to the motorbike. So we're still figuring out the best way to make a level for them. So it's quite good to watch. And I've seen a few things that I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Or like I've seen bits like, yes, you understand. Real, real done. Like there's a bit where you've got to reverse here that some people find a little bit tricky so I'm, I'm thinking about ways of making the game better which is it's like a big play test. So I remember the guys uh, from Media Molecule talking about the community made levels in Little Big Planet and how they often made things that the developers didn't even know was possible. Have you seen some community levels that have kind of surprised you for the first game? Uh, I've seen a few really nice ones. Personally I wasn't a part of the team at the time so I, I, was, uh, I was a big fan though. I was looking on YouTube and stuff like that sharing levels with friends. So some people, like we did a competition where somebody won, won a load of swag and stuff. His level was really great. I particularly like the snow level that we're seeing now because it is apparently like a, a mountainous ski resort, but there's a space shuttle in the background. What's the logic behind that? Yeah, well, the logic, okay. So <laughs> the logic is the bad guys in the snow, they're building robots, but they're like, you know, hidden out, like a bit of a James Bond style, like bad guys have gone into the mountains where nobody can find them apart from Joe obviously because Joe's awesome so they're building robots and then later on when you're on the jetpack you're going back to the city where you're the cop but the bad guys have invaded with all the robots they've made absolutely great and so when is this coming out for what platforms uh, I can't tell you platforms because we don't know so it's coming to consoles everywhere very ambiguous kind of thing sure we're just making it at the moment so in the next 12 months, awesome. probably? Next 12 months, then end of the year, early next year. We're just going to make it as awesome as we can before you guys get your hands in it because we want you guys to have as much fun. I think it looks fantastic. I will definitely buy this game. Oh, thank, thank you, you very, very much. much. My name is John Krajewski. My company is Strange Loop Games, and we're working on the game called Vessel. It looks like a 2D platformer, maybe? Yes. Is that an accurate description? That is, yeah. It's a liquid puzzle game. It's kind of the, the one line that we give it. So there's lots of just like fluid simulations going on all the time? Yeah, fluid simulation is kind of at the core of the game. And also uh, the ability to make creatures out of liquid. So creatures out of, okay, you need yeah. to tell me more about that. So you can have a creature that's formed like out of water, out of lava, different, all these different kind of liquids in the game. You can make creatures out of it and they retain the properties of it. So it's all physically simulated, all uses fluid dynamics. And so they have abilities that naturally come with that. Like they can melt themselves, they can reform themselves. You know, if you mix a water creature with a lava creature, it's going to make steam naturally. Things like that. You use that to solve puzzles. All right. So we've got lava. We've got water. What other fluids do we have? Are we have kind of like magnetic fluids or... We have a uh, glowing fluid, like a glow-in-the-dark kind of radioactive type fluid. And you can use that to like light up dark areas. Okay. Uh, we have reacting chemicals. So like, uh, it's called a, it's a binary fluid. So one, by themselves, they're harmless. But if you mix them together, it causes an explosion. Exactly. Uh, we have a fluid we call protoplasm. It's kind of this mysterious fluid you find in the game. I see one of the characters there. You're kind of like a spike hedgehog looking guy. Is that yeah. little green guys? Yeah, those are little uh, water fluoros there. The art style is really quite lovely. It's it's like half painted, half not. Like, Yeah, we're doing something unique there. We're actually using a 2D hand-drawn texture. So it's all hand-drawn by artists. But then we have on top of that 3D normal maps so that it's able to be lit dynamically. Yeah in the same way that uh, 3D games are. So it kind of gives this like hybrid look. It's really unique. I haven't seen any other games that do that. I think it works really well for our game. How long have you guys been working on this project? 
we've been working on it for about two years. Um, a year and a half of that, we've uh, been funded. And a couple years before that, I was, it was a hobby project of mine that slowly kind of grew into this game. So this will be your first real release? Your first major, like, get yes. money for it release? That's right, yeah, it's our first game as a company. At, at the end of this trailer, I noticed that there is basically every platform listed on the bottom. So can yes. you run through what those are real quick? We got uh, Xbox Live Arcade, uh, PlayStation Network, and PC. We're trying to hit all three uh, simultaneously this year, end of this year. End of this year, all right. Why have I not heard of this game? <laughs> Well, uh, we've been a little under the radar now, and we're kind of making our big debut here at PAX. And uh, yeah, we had a prototype at IGF a while ago, and we've just really been working to make it uh, you know, a lot better. We've kind of redesigned a lot of the design to uh, revolve around the different things we've added. But uh, yeah, you should be hearing a lot more from us in the future. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. So I'm part of Broken Rules. We're a small indie uh, studio from Austria, Vienna. We uh, developed and get it moves, and now we're working. Wait, on you guys made and yet it moves. Yeah. I love that game. I didn't know that was you. Yeah, that was us, right? <laughs> you guys were uh, just part of the recent indie humble indie bundle. That's right. Uh, yeah, I got it for that. It's fantastic. Oh, so great. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Thank you for buying it. It's hey. awesome. Yeah. Well, this is our new project. It's called Chasing Aurora. We started developing it about three months ago. It's, uh, we plan to release it around the first quarter of 2012. It's going to be a story-driven single-player game, which also has a multiplayer mode, which is what you see right here. Basically, it's a game about flying. The setting is uh, something like the Stone Age of the Alps. And in this multiplayer mode, basically what you do, do there's a glowing beacon, which you have to snatch and carry away from the other players. The camera or the, 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 the picture will always be on the bird with the beacon. So he has the power to drop off uh, other players from the screen. Once he's alone on the screen for three seconds, he will have won. Each time the other players drop out of the screen, they will respawn. Uh, and the respawn time will increase a little bit with each time they drop out. So yeah, we are showing off the game for the first time, actually, to the public. So my, my thought was that when I when I first played And Yet It Moves, I thought that the art style looked like paper had been torn, like it, yeah. like it was like construction paper. Right. This looks like origami. So what is it with you guys and paper? I, I don't know. Actually, uh, it, it was, in a sense, a little bit uh, homage to, to uh, And Yet It Moves, in the sense that it is a papery style. Um, however, the style originated actually from ink drawings on wooden boards, which uh, reminded more of, of like wooden prints, uh, which look, basically looks like this. This is the, the concept art for the whole style of the game. Is that like indigenous to a certain country or art style or artist? Well, actually, uh, the, the art is done by me, and oh, it was it's it's really inspired by by many different sources. But I was trying to find a, a visually unique and minimalistic style. And once I came up with that style, I tried to turn it into a digital version. It kind of in the process got mixed up with the origami for some reason. I don't think it really was a conscious decision to do it, but it sort of really went well together. We decided it just fits because because that's it, it seems to be our style. I don't know. <laughs> the, the art style is absolutely beautiful. I, I, I couldn't even describe it. 
with words. It is, it really is origami birds. It's beautiful, 2D, very colorful. I see that there are at least four birds. Is that? Right. Does, does each one have like a certain perk? Is it like faster or more maneuverable? Exactly. Yeah. The the, the birds uh, will have different abilities. As of now, they don't have them yet because it's still such an early version. So right now, each bird plays completely the same. But we have plans to uh, give each bird a specific character, and most of them will also appear in the single-player mode, uh, where their character is actually more important because there is a story attached to it. So yeah, that will also influence the multiplayer mode again. So so these abilities will be things like one can be faster, one can dash, you know, um, and yeah, certain other things that we have up our sleeve that I won't reveal right now. So I see some PlayStation controllers. I'm guessing there's more to it than that. Can you tell me like platform or what's going on there? Um, well, the thing is we're developing the whole, whole game on our own tech. It's a platform independent uh, uh, engine called Ginkgo. If you're into tech kind of stuff, you can also follow the development of Ginkgo on our site, brokenrule.es. Actually, there's no real reason we have PS3 controllers because it also works with Xbox controllers <laughs> and, and all kinds of other controllers. But we will, uh, we will be going on one of the major consoles. It's just not sure which one yet. But what is sure is that we w it will come out for the PC. So that is Windows, Mac and Linux. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, sure, no problem. Thanks for coming by. <laughs> So my name is Alexander Bruce, um, company doesn't matter, and my game is Antichamber. Can you tell us about it? it, it it's a very interesting aesthetic. So Antichamber, there's a few ways to describe it, let's, let's try a few. So one of the ways to describe it is that it's very much like first person Escher. Okay. It's pretty much like running around in an Escher painting, so geometry and space follow weird rules and you're kind of trying to learn what's going on in the world and how they all work. Um, some people have described it as like Portal meets Braid, so effectively what Braid did with time and what Portal did with portals, this is doing with geometry in space. Um, it's a Metroidvania, so there's like branching map structures and a whole lot of different things that you're you know, learning and unveiling, so it's a psychological exploration game where it's more about um, an exploration of knowledge rather than an exploration of upgrades in space. And uh, some people just describe it as one epic head trip. Uh, I'm curious about your inspirations for the aesthetic. Was it Escher or is there more to it than that? So the aesthetic came about from a bunch of technical reasons. There's a bunch of geometric stuff that you're about to see in about five seconds. Maybe ten if he runs this way. I'll just wait for it to happen. All right. <laughs> okay. I, I'm, I'm thoroughly confused now. What just happened? All right. So he ran up to somewhere and the ground just completely split apart into a whole lot of you know little bits of geometry that fizzled away. So this is effectively like three-dimensional fog of war that he's running around in now. And if I was to have um, texture mapping across all of that, then I would have to either have a very tiled world or I would have to be constantly recalculating UVs for everything. And it, should, it, it just works so much stronger if I go with really crisp, clean colors and edge detection everywhere. I have a PS3. I enjoyed the game Echo Chrome because of the weird force perspective and just kind of optical illusions you could pull off. I'm kind of seeing some of that. Is there an element of optical illusions in this game? 
So this game is about psychology and it's about playing around with player expectations. Um, what you're seeing right now is right near the start of the game where we need to untrain players from 25 years worth of how games could work, uh, how games should work, so that we can instead build up how games could work. So the game gets immensely complex and deep the further we run around, but we need to be breaking down everything that they think should happen in a game first. So optical illusions and stuff do start happening because they fit in with the psychological theme of the game. So given the premise that you are trying to unteach gamers, is it hard to sit here and watch them struggle with some of these basic movement and mechanics? So I've been to a hell of a lot of festivals with this thing. Um, I've pretty much been to everything. I went to the Tokyo Game Show, E3, GDC Online, GDC China, Indicate, DICE, GDC, and now I'm here. Plus a bunch of Australian festivals, etc. So I've watched thousands of people play this. And part of um, my responsibility is to make sure that it's working for all of them. So I'm not getting frustrated by this. I'm just being like, okay, that's conforming with the expectations of everyone. They're doing exactly the same as everyone else has. That's how they should be playing. Did you make this game entirely yourself? Uh, I did about 90% of it, and then I brought on board a sound designer and a composer. I then brought on someone else to do the modeling of something that we cannot see right now. And I'm going to bring on uh, an illustrator to go through and update all of the signage around the game. So I'm guessing then there's still quite a ways before release? I would like to have the game finished and released before PAX East. We'll see whether that happens. That's in March. That gives me about three to six months to get it done. Um, I'm not actually that far away. Although, you know, like, although I have to redraw, um, say, a bunch of signage for a professional illustrator, that's actually a pretty fast job to do. It works really, really well on the PC. You have the freedom of movement, freedom of, of you know, view. Any other platforms, potentially? Uh, most likely not at launch. I definitely looked into them, but most, not, most likely not at launch. This is a game that would work best with Steam, also because it's working with the player expectations of people, of primarily PC gamers. Absolutely. All right, I like what I see. I thank you for your time. Thank you. Today is day two at PAX, and we are standing in line much earlier than yesterday, and in the same line as yesterday, as a matter of fact. Looking around, not the same people, but same location. So, you know, feeling good about the start of the day. Quick recap from yesterday. David is joining us again this morning. David, how was the concert last night? It was good. Good. A lot of, a lot of excitement. This is actually my first concert that I didn't leave before the end of it. Usually it gets too loud, but I brought earplugs this time. Highly recommended. Smart man. I brought earplugs to PAX, so um, I, yeah, I completely understand. So David's highlight seems to have lived up to his expectations and then more. Uh, thoughts about yesterday? Did it live up to what you'd hoped for? Yeah, we got uh, a wide range of games. We played a bunch of like AAA, gonna come out soon, kind of, you know, Starhawk. And, well, not Starhawk, that soon at least. But a lot of games that are really good on the big publisher side. And then spent like an hour and a half in the indie games area, probably. And I had a great time with that. You've already heard the interviews. So I actually think we'll go back there at some point today. Awesome. So heading back to the indie games with Luke. Kelly, how about you? Did things live up to what you'd hoped for yesterday? No, this place sucks. I hate it. I'm never coming back. That's not true. I loved it. How are your allergies doing? My allergies are all right. I, even though I slept in a cat house last night. Uh, not, not a brothel. <laughs> a house with a cat. She's just saying that. No, there were whores everywhere. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I had a great time yesterday. It was uh, definitely enjoyed the indie games area. I usually 
that's usually where I find most of the games I'm going to be buying for the next year or so. Quite enjoyed that. Excellent. So on our AAA game list today, what are games that you hope to play? Uh, I'm going to try to get into Borderlands and shoot some stuff and maybe... I'm not sure. Slay some dragons? Yeah, maybe. We'll see about that. Skyrim. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Luke, how about you? Any like big-name games you want to see today? Um, Maybe. I'm going to try Twisted Metal and... Uh, oh, yeah. See if the rage line isn't too long. Uh, I think that game looks kind of cool, kind of like Borderlands. You kind of t- you talked about tribes last night. Perhaps that's oh, yeah. something you wanted to stop and see. Tribes looks kind of like Halo, except it's way crazier. It's more like Unreal Tournament. So I'm gonna go give that a shot. See if I can keep up with all the people that are good at those kind of games. It does look like Halo. David, did you see any of tribes yesterday as you were walking the expo hall? Uh, no, no, I did not spend that much time in the hall actually. Okay. Um, um, you, so where you and Matt spent the day doing mostly tabletop games and RPGs? Uh, yeah, and some of the talks for tabletop games, how to become a better GM, that sort of thing. Awesome. And, and did you pick up some skills since I know that you are a DM for your local group? You know, it mostly just told me how good a DM I already was. Cause, nice! Uh, although there, there, were, there were a few tricks that I, I'll probably use. Um, awesome. So... So David got his ego padded yesterday. Luke got to see the giant bomb. Uh, Kelly and Luke and I all got to play some indie games. And life was good. We are looking forward to today. Um, And we will check back in with you when there is anything to report. All right. I have taken the controller now because Melissa needs to get something off her chest, I think. She was just basically assaulted by a nerd. That is so mean. What? It wasn't even like that. All right, tell me. He wasn't creepy. He wasn't hitting on me. But this this painfully awkward young man. I, I was Luke was playing Halo. Let's clarify. Halo One on the original Xbox with a Duke controller. It was quite amazing. Yes, we had stumbled into Halo Fest, which is a offshoot of packs this year with all things Halo. And I was looking at the Halo artifacts. Like it was a museum, which it kind of is. It is. It's really quite neat. It's it's actually pretty cool. And I'm looking at these things, and, and this young man walks over to me and starts talking to me about Halo and how he's really excited because he brought his original copy of Halo, of Halo 1 to see if somebody was available who could sign it for him. How old was this kid? He looked like he was late teens, maybe even early 20s. I'm, I'm thinking he's late teens because... So Halo came out in... 2001. Okay, he said he was nine. So, 19? So, he's, so he's 19, this kid. Because I was like, well, yeah, you know, you, wanna, you want your original Halo sign. Because I'm thinking me, if there was any original thing I owned of anything, which there really isn't. But if there was, that's the one you get signed by the, the awesome, cool people who sign things. Celebrities, whatnot. You don't want your, you know, third sequel copy signed. It's not as awesome. And so I was like, yeah, you want to prove that you were a fan from the beginning? He's like, well, no, actually, I was only nine when it came out, and I played it with the Boy Scouts, and he was telling me how his mom didn't want him to own a, even a squirt gun, and I was like, oh, so, you know, it must have been a big deal when she let you get Halo and, you know, an Xbox. He's like, well, she just kind of gave up and he's telling me about all the trailers that he downloaded for original Halo and for the new re-release of the original Halo and had I seen that one and you know I talked to people uh, particularly the really awkward ones so we, we had a, a little chat but it really was the strangest thing because it took me a minute to realize why this person was talking to me 
for such a long time, and I realized that he thinks I love Halo. It was funny because I'm playing maybe like level five or six of Halo, and I'm standing a few feet from them, and this conversation is just going downhill with each passing comment, like just plunging into his childhood with his mom and all this stuff and Melissa is doing her best to be polite and he doesn't have any clue that what he's doing is socially awkward and so I'm sitting there just laughing thinking should I be a good husband and rescue Melissa from the torture of this awkwardness or should I just let her bathe in it for a little bit longer okay you're mean I am mean I'm officially mean because I knew what was going on I did not intervene it really wasn't that bad it was just strange the mo- one of the most socially awkward things I've seen at five years in PAX so first of all, none of the socially awkward guys come talk to you because you look cool. And I suppose normally I'm like standing right next to you, so none of the socially awkward guys normally come talk to me because I'm not in a costume, so there's no reason to get a picture taken with me. I'm not like some super gaming goddess that like impresses everyone, <laughs> so they wouldn't talk to me. And I'm standing next to the cool guy who clearly deserves my attention more. Um, it, according to, like, nerd social structure. I know how this works. So they never talk to me. No one ever talks to me. I'm basically invisible at PAX. Turns out, though, when, when Luke is distracted and Melissa is being a history geek. I think the lesson that we've learned here is that you should not stray too far from my side. <laughs> Clearly you can get yourself... terrible. You make it sound like it's this horrible, horrible thing. He was, a, he was a nerd. And he came all the way from Arizona to Halo Fest. I mean, come on. All right. He was very helpful. If I had wanted a poster, he told me that the short line was the one for the posters, the long line was the one for the mega blocks, which was very helpful if I had wanted a poster. See, I mean, very kind, very helpful, trying to, you know, make a connection with another Halo lover. He just picked the wrong girl. Sorry. Sorry. Tucson, I'm sorry. I don't really like Halo at all, like most girls you've met. Um, but I'm sure there are I don't some think out most there. girls like Halo. No, they really don't. Girls don't like Halo. You so. are actually one of the few girls I've even seen inside of Halo Fest. So, well, I have seen a few others, but they're usually with dudes. Um, so, boy from Tucson, if you should ever hear this, um, just be aware girls don't like Halo. So, if you want to impress girls and still play video games, you're going to need to find some games that girls also like. So we just got back from lunch on day two of PAX, and it is time for us to interview Kelly. Because Kelly, who did we just have lunch with? Robin Hunicky of uh, That Game Company. All right, for those of our listeners who are new and still kind of learning our personal foibles and whatnot, um, what is so amazing and awesome about That Game Company? They're responsible for games like uh, Flow, Cloud, and most recently... um the game Flower. Courtney, you've played that. Yeah, all PSN downloadable games. Um, they're just famous for being very eclectic, very emotional experiences, and I absolutely love them, and I love that game company for everything that they do. And really unconventional in terms of game design, gameplay, game mechanics. Yeah, yeah, it's in, you know, and what I really love about them is the stories, the way they present a story by showing things rather than telling you. They don't have dialogue in the games, but they show you a narrative. So I, I actually don't remember the name of the restaurant. Kelly, where did we eat lunch? S- Sazerac, I believe is what it was called. Okay, so it, it's a restaurant in the, the Hotel Monaco in downtown Seattle is where we were. Um, and we walk in, we don't see anybody. That made us nervous. So we're like, oh, we're supposed to be meeting some people. And the... 
the host is like, oh, they thought you weren't coming, so they moved outside. And so we walk outside, and we suddenly more than doubled the crowd, yeah. <laughs> which was pretty incredible. Yeah, it was there, were, there were five of us, including yeah. the three of us. Yeah, so there were us three and then two people, Robin Hunicky from that game company, and another, another gentleman, I'm going to forget his name already, I'm really sorry. A nice guy, he doesn't work with that game company, but he's a friend of theirs, he's an independent game developer, working on an untitled project right now. Um, but yeah, it was just super intimate, we got to ask Robin all the questions that were on our mind, she even bought us lunch, easily the highlight of packs for me. Kelly remembered our advice from a couple episodes back about how to make a a celebrity or a semi-celebrity feel comfortable and welcome. He did not scream, faint, or try and jump on her at any time. He was very well behaved. It it took him about five, ten minutes to kind of settle down, though, because I ended up, I looked over at him and I could tell that he was just like percolating with enthusiasm. And I was like, this might not end well. Oh, he's so, got, he had dumbstruck Kelly face on for yeah. about an hour and a half. <laughs> so I was like, I'm just going to ask some questions until Kelly gets his act together, and then he can start talking. It's true. Luke asked a lot of really good questions, got us some interesting information. Robin seemed to appreciate that. Um, I was really fascinated in her discussion of her thesis work. She's finishing up a, a doctorate program somewhere um, in computer science and um, doing research on dynamic difficulty in games, trying to see what happens if you create a situation in a game where the the difficulty level scales up or scales down depending on your success. I was really fascinated that her, her research bore out a result completely counter to her hypothesis, which you don't hear much about in science. You, you hear about people proving hypotheses. That's the stuff that makes it on the news or whatever. Fair enough. It's actually more common than you would think. Well, I'm sure it is, but Luke Science Minute gives us, uh, you know, the, the the 30 seconds on our on a regular um, old, you know, big science news story. So she's talking about how she took a game that was already in existence, Half-Life, adjusted it for dynamic difficulty, and then had people play it, and they hated it. And you would think that people would like having the difficulty scale up or scale down based on their, you know, abilities. I'm thinking, yeah, that would be great. And then she said, well, people who weren't very good at it still hated it because it was still too hard. And people who were really good at it just felt like it took forever because they could never seem to die. And, and I thought that was fascinating. I was like, oh, like a sciencey stuff in, like, creating video game design. And I, I know that that's part of the video game world. It's just not something that your average Call of Duty Halo fan is going to care about. So we we don't tend to hear a lot about that in kind of the big, like, maybe I'm just not looking in the right places. Luke is giving me a look. I was just looking at the guy behind you. I was going to go get in his grill. Um, so he, he just hawked a loogie, and I, if he was going to spit it on the floor in the convention center, I was going to get in his face about it. Okay. He, he swallowed it, which is equally as gross. Oh. Um Anyway, sorry for that little tangent. Anyway, if, if Kelly Santiago hears this, I would just like to thank you for sending Robin with so many shirts. I think between us, we have enough to start our own clothing store. Yes. <laughs> that is true. That is true. The, Robin hooked us up with some sweet Journey shirts. Me, seemingly more than anything, she's like, oh, here, nobody ever wants the small sizes. Just take a bunch, give them to people you know, um, which was pretty sweet. Kelly, for you, what was, what was the highlight of our lunch? Because we know that lunch was the highlight of our weekend for you. Yeah, um... <clears throat> I don't know. Once, yeah, like Luke said, once I finally calmed down and was able to wrap my head around the fact that I was essentially having lunch with kind of a celebrity that I quite admire, um, 
I, I was able to ask some really good questions that were very helpful to me, actually, about the way they compose their stories and things like that. And, and I don't know, it was, it was very fascinating. And the, and the fact that Robin was so enthusiastic about it, she, she really, like, as soon you, you could ask her a simple question, she could talk about it for 10 minutes. It was just great. It's true. And she's been working on this game for two and a half years, and she's still this excited about it. And none of it seemed fake. She had a hangover. She probably couldn't fake enthusiasm if she'd <laughs> no, wanted probably to. Not, yeah. <laughs> Kelly is still starstruck. He yeah. he has not stopped smiling in about two and a half hours. His face is going to hurt tomorrow. I, mm. I can I can tell you that. All right, we will come back with some updates um, as we continue on through our afternoon. So stay tuned. I've been living in New York now for like a year and a half, and uh, this is a very culturally diverse. Place, one of the most culturally diverse areas in the world. There's people from everywhere. They come to this one city. And I've worked with people of different races, uh, you know, different backgrounds, speak different languages. And it's cool to see all the differences that go along with that. And yet everybody still comes together and, you know, we communicate, we learn about each other's cultures. So my question is, you know, from, from the perspective that you have all these different cultures and everything, so different. Why is it always still funny to fart bomb somebody? <laughs> Every culture, doesn't matter. Everybody thinks it's funny to walk up next to you, rip ass, and walk away. <laughs> Could it be that, that farts are just transcendently funny? It doesn't matter what culture, <laughs> background, race, gender, yeah. like... If, if, if space aliens existed, they would still find comedy in fart bombs. Farts are always funny. Why are farts always funny? Because they come from butts. 100% always funny. I'm with Melissa on this. I think butts are universally funny, and thus most things that come from them have to be funny uh, by default. Boop is funny. <laughs> Boop is funny. Fling poo. Fling poo. I mean, there's yeah. a whole racing team based off of flinging poo. Yes. That's true. Fling poo racing. They had the, uh, the green... 70s Dawson's, right? Yeah, that were so loud we got vertigo. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I I think you're onto something here. I I think you might have found one of the very few universally transcendent, like, jokes ever. (laughs) Because yo mama jokes probably don't work in cultures. In fact, some cultures might kill you uh, for saying them. Um, That kind of jokes, I think, are just too nationalized. But, yeah, fart bombs, universally funny. Even when you meet somebody new and you're in a, like, I was working in a retail store for a while, and there were people from Egypt, from Lebanon, uh, from Bronx, me from Seattle, and we're all working in the same store, and I hadn't ever played the joke on anybody else, but one of the other guys did it to me, and I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Is this something that, that naturally occurs in every culture, and when come together, we see it? Like, far on a Yakuza kingpin, <laughs> but other than that, I think you're safe in, you know, Downtown Sri Lanka. Although, if I could do it on him. Okay, and also, I'm not a very good farter. I'm, yeah, I'm just not good at it. So, (laughs) no. Did you say you're not a good farter? That's, yes, that's what I said. Okay, so how how do you define what is a good fart and what is a not good fart? I can't do it on command, and I I usually don't do it, so I get very embarrassed if I do, so, no. I'm glad that after, after all this time, Aaron has brought lowbrow humor into the podcast. Yes. As you were first describing the question, I thought it was going to be some like really deep philosophical thing. Not so much. I think it is deeply philosophical, just not in the way we expected. Yeah. 
it's, it's, it's how we expected it from Aaron, I think. Yes, yes. yes this, yeah, is, yeah. this is perfectly in line. <laughs> All right, well, we've got a bunch of other questions. Yeah, I'm going to go stare out the window and watch the storm. All right, you enjoy yourself. Thanks. All right, see you, buddy. Bye. And now it's time for some listener questions. Luke, take it away. All right, we're going to start indiscriminately here with Jackie. Jackie says, when will Skype come to the PS3? And any games that you think unenthusiasts, which is an interesting word, would like? I guess someone like her who's not really into games. And is there a good age, if any, to introduce kids to video games? All right, so we should take these one at a time. Skype coming to the PS3. Do we have any ability to know anything about that? Nope. Skype is on the PSP, oddly enough. And then Microsoft bought Skype. So I'm not sure if any future Sony products will have it, um, what Microsoft plans to do with it, if they'll integrate it into Live, Microsoft Live, or um, just leave it autonomous like it currently is. There are no Sony executives wandering the floors of PAX, so we can't just ask. Correct. All right. All right. Unenthusiasts like her here at the show. Dance Um, games? Dance Central? Yeah, probably Dance Central. Uh, one that isn't here, but that should be Journey. Uh, the that game company games tend to be fairly popular among non-gamers. I suppose it, um, it depends on what kind of unenthusiast un- you are. If you just hate video games, then no, there probably isn't anything no, here well, yeah, for you. Yeah. If it's just that you're like me and you're not very good at the hardcore games, you don't want to shoot stuff and use dual sticks Ooh. to control things. There are some options. Yeah, um, uh, the new Ratchet and Clank, all for one. That's what that was gonna yeah. be my yes. Yeah, because you can play it with your friends. Yeah, and, um, and when you're dead, you're not necessarily dead. As long as someone's still going, you get to keep going. Even when everybody dies, you start relatively close to where you. You got knocked off, and it's it's quite fun. It's a good good party game. Yeah, and we played a party game today on the PS Move. Yeah, start the, the party. Start the party. That was okay. Um, again, a social game, always good for a, an unenthusiast to have some fun with gaming without being forced to become a nerd. All right, I, I just have to toss this in there. Aaron says that he was on the toilet when we called. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a good place to Fantastic. be when you have eight-foot surge waters. All right, uh, Jackie also wanted to know about kids and video games. I am of the opinion that little, little kids, like one-year-olds, two-year-olds, probably shouldn't be exposed to TV screens all that much, um, whether it's movies, TV, video games. I think my goal for when we have kids is to make sure that they are doing other things with their brains instead of being addicted to flashing graphics on screen. Uh, What about you guys? I think it's hard to make that assessment because video games have changed so much since I was a kid. I I played video games with my dad. We would sit together at the computer, play the game together. Um, How old were you? Little. I mean, like, I know five, six years old probably playing. I don't remember before that. I don't know that we had a computer before that. Games now, it seems like the, the educational games are really designed to walk kids through step by step and kind of into the game into the education into the learning i'm not sure i like that um in terms of like just for fun games i i don't know all right you know i wasn't i didn't play video games when i was little it, not until i was maybe 10 or 11 did i ever play video games other than once in a while you know maybe once a month on the computer i don't know i didn't i feel like an important tool to have for kids the computers I mean but like video games I don't know they're kind of they they restrict 
children who really need to be active and out there and learning hand-eye coordination and what have you. And social skills. I mean, you can and, learn yeah. those things. Yeah, social skills especially. You can learn those things in a video game to an extent, but the best way to do it is to be outside playing with your friends and learning, you know, the things that you're supposed to be learning. I don't know. I feel like... I think, though, that video games can be part of that social learning aspect if it's the... Commu- I mean, if they are the multiplayer games and you're playing with your family. Yeah, if, if that's the situation. But, I mean, if you've got a kid who's playing on Xbox Live... And swearing at, you know... No, I, well, I've never thought that was the, appropriate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> at you, any age. You're letting your 12-year-old play Halo 3 on Unsupervised. Xbox Live, unsupervised. Until 2 and, in the morning. No, that's yeah, not okay. No. But I, I had a co-worker um, who played Wii Lego Star Wars with her 5-year-old. And he loved Lego Star Wars. He thought it was great. And so she would play with him. Because um, he really liked the game and she really wanted to spend time with him. Um, so I, I think that there is a, a balance to be had, but I definitely think that at younger ages, less time with the video games, and then freedom to choose as kids get older, and they have to take responsibility for those choices as yeah. well. Um, Nick from Auburn, what is the coolest thing you've seen at PAX? Any news coming for Connect? And what is the most exciting thing coming out for PCs or consoles? So. Uh, okay, no coolest, fair with the lots questions. Coolest, most exciting, or anything for Connect? How about right. that? Um, so I'm gonna so I'm gonna move that we table the first question about the coolest thing at PAX until the end of the day tomorrow when we do our PAX wrap up. Okay. Um, that's kind of one of our default questions, sure. and it gives yeah. us a chance to really see everything because you guys still haven't seen Borderlands. True. We haven't seen I've, Mass Effect. I've we haven't played seen Tribes. Tribes. All, some all right, of that so stuff. So connect. we'll table that one. Connect. There's a zombie game for the Kinect that looks kind of interesting. You look like an oh, idiot yeah. playing you it. Oh, yeah, you look like an idiot playing but, that, uh, saw you, that one. You look like an idiot playing any Kinect game. That's true. But it, it looked, I mean, it was it was a, it was a Kinect game for for a different audience than Kinect has, up to this point, been focusing on, so it was kind of cool. And I, I think it's a game where you're, you have to pay a little bit of attention to your character, because I know one hand is a bare hand, that can manipulate things, and one hand is carrying a weapon. You said bear hand. I, I pictured a bear. On that's what I thought. Oh, no. That's what I saw too for the first three seconds, and then I realized what she was saying. Regular yeah. human hand. Uh, there are a lot of sequels. It seems like coming out for Connect at this point. Some of which I have to think are a bad idea at this point. I, Fruit Ninja. No Fruit the Ninja. Game? Fruit Ninja. I think is actually pretty cool on Connect. Um, because you look like an idiot no matter what you're playing on Connect, and that one at least you're supposed to look like an idiot. Sure. So you're just flailing about slicing fruit, and it's fantastic. Dance Central 2 makes sense because they have an audience who will buy it. They can charge tons of money. They can get new songs. It's all good. So, um, well, but, there's, but, but wait, don't steal mine, Kelly. Connect Sports 2. Dude, are we ready for that? Has the Connect sold enough? No. No, and it's only been out for, I think, since November. So. And that, I guess that's where my problem is. So my advice, if you have a Kinect, the next game to get is called The Gunstringer. Yeah, I was about to steal yours. So. Yeah. yeah. So with one hand, okay, you all know what a marionette is, right? The little person on strings, you hold the little, like, wooden X to control them. So with Pinocchio. Your, Pinocchio. So with one hand, you're virtually holding the little wooden X. You're controlling what's apparently like a little skeleton Old West gunslinger. And you're guiding him through levels and shooting with your hands and doing all sorts of really clever and creative things to keep him out of trouble. Aiming and targeting then with the other hand to shoot bad with guys. A, with a cap gun. With a cap gun, the yeah, cap like gun. a little like, six-ring shooter cap gun. And we saw a really good boss battle where he was fighting like a Texas oil baron. 
and it looked really clever. The graphic art style was really nice. It kind of had almost like a claymation, like Wallace and Gromit kind of look to it. Made um, by the same people who did Explosion Man. Yeah, the yeah. Twisted Pixel. Yep. Um, so so don't buy the sequels. Look for new innovative titles if you have a Kinect. All right. From Rachel in Olympia. What is the best way to amputate one's leg? Mine is killing me, and I am done with it. Rusty Shotgun. saw. <laughs> Uh, I would actually go with either lightsaber, because then it's self-cauterizes. Okay, that's not even a real solution. What? She asked what the best way was. That's not a best way. That's not even a possible way. Um, Let's come up with something more realistic. Pool of lava. There you go. <laughs> also self-cauterizing. Sounds incredibly Perhaps. painful. And you, what? Light... You said rusty saw and you okay. said... Okay. No, 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 no. I said shotgun, which is actually a viable way to do it. Not a not whole leg. Have you seen... Aaron's listening to this right now yelling I have at you. Sh- Shotguns do not blow limbs off. Yes, they do. No, they don't. Only in blank. zombie games. Only in zombie at games. And as far blank, as I know, Rachel's not a zombie I know yet. of a man who did this to himself. What? All right, tell me more. Okay, he had one of that, I don't know what the syndrome is called, but basically it, it's it's very rare. And pe- these people, they have a limb that they feel they shouldn't have. And they, it's a psycholo- psychological disorder okay. where they, like, they're literally, they'll literally be like, I shouldn't have a left leg. I, I don't want it. This and isn't my leg. Is this often, isn't yeah, yeah. This isn't my leg. You know things like that. And this man, he he couldn't get a doctor to remove it for him. You know he wanted to have it amputated because he didn't want the limb, and he couldn't get someone to do it. So he packed the thing in ice and he blew it off with a shotgun. Terrifying. And I think he died. But yes, you can do it. <laughs> All right, Rachel. That's the point. Don't do anything. Is actually our advice. And I don't agree with the lava. Because you could light your entire body on fire doing that. A good point. Yeah. All right. Lightsaber it is then. Okay. No. Will from Olympia. We know what our answer is going to be. Which is more anticipated, Battlefield 3 or Modern Warfare 3? Well, Modern Warfare 3 is not at PAX. And it's the exact same game as the first two, so Battlefield. All right. Battlefield 3 has like four-hour lines. Which do you think will be the best game? Battlefield. Again, Battlefield 3, four-hour lines. Modern Warfare 3, not at PAX. All right. Two-part question from Josh in Lacey. Uh, how many digits of pi can you recall without any reference? 3.125. Nope. Nope, okay. One, three. <laughs> I, I think so maybe five digits. <laughs> uh, all right, count mine. 3.14159. Is that six? That's six. That's six. So I got six. One, four? Okay. 3.14159. Why yet. did I think it was 3.125? I don't know. That's not right at all. No. Nope. Sounds like a terrible uh, TV show. Uh, what's the highest velocity ever attained by an F1 car during a race? I want to say it was at Monza, which is in Italy, back when BMW had the V10 in like 05. I want to say Juan Pablo Montoya hit about 235 in the draft. So quite fast. Really quite fast. Yeah. Um, Jeez. Yeah, faster (laughs) than I would ever want to go. Um, All right, this one's a little long, so I'm just going to read it as I see it. This is from Danielle in Sacramento. I would like to know whether a zombie Civil War reenactment, I think that's a funny word choice, would be of interest to you or your listeners. One side living, one undead, and the blue and gray gray banding together against them. Some of the younger guys are all for it, but we haven't convinced the top brass yet. This would make an amazing movie. So, okay, how so can you have a reenactment of, of something that's never happened? Well, once? okay, so here's the, the background to this question. Danielle is a Civil War reenactor. Oh, okay. And it sounds like in her troop of Civil War reenactors, who, by the way, are all in California, 
where the Civil War didn't take place, but um, I would, you know, makes the whole zombie thing so much more plausible now. If you can do Civil War reenacting in California, you can have a zombie Civil War reenactment. And it sounds like the guys in her troop want to put on a, a zombie. I think that would be pretty incredible. Have just, you know, you have your lines of, of Confederate and Union soldiers, and then you have lines of just zombies coming at them, and, you know... F- Falling down a couple at a time, but then bayonets, you know, the man, bayonets. and then and the, yeah, then the bayonet fights, and then the zombies reach these lines and just cause havoc. I mean, I it's a very it sort be... of steampunk alternate history yeah. sort of an idea, and I it think could work. That's a really good idea, actually. If they added some steampunk to the whole thing, because that would give. I mean, it would give the living soldiers a, a, a chance. Because I'm thinking actual period Civil War weapons versus zombies, not happening. Yeah, you're going to put just a bunch of holes in these things. And right. Then so you need mess. some steampunk, you know, like if, if rail guns and stuff. Yeah. And if it's possible, you guys need to use those, uh, what do they call them? Those things in the movies where they have the gore shooting off of their bodies. Squibs? Squibs. Use squibs. All right. So there you go, Danielle. We are in favor as a podcast. All right. Nick from about a mile and a half that direction on Aurora Boulevard. What are your feelings about the weather these last two summers? I think it's been trash, but today is nice. I don't so really last summer, last really summer had nice. a lot of really hot weather. Last summer was really hot. I remember our wedding day being quite hot. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of other days being fairly warm. This year, it just came on late. It was very cold and rainy uh, for much of like June into July. All the way through July. It wasn't, yeah, I guess until... Yeah, it wasn't a little until while August ago that it got crazy hot. Yeah, second week in August, maybe. Yeah. I prefer it to be a little bit cooler. Uh, I will admit that today has been wonderful. We've walked outdoors for blocks and blocks today, and I haven't gotten overly hot, sweaty, or bothered. Usually I'm complaining when it's summertime. I was getting hot and bothered, but well, for an entirely different reason. Different reason, yeah. Yep. Yeah, Robin had something to do with that. But no, today has been great. There's a nice breeze. There's not really any clouds, but it's not that hot. I'd maybe, I'm guessing it's like 75 today at most. Uh, yeah. Uh, but as a whole, this summer has been more enjoyable than previous ones for me. I agree too. Melissa? I, I, I have missed the sun until the last couple weeks of summer. It's, it's made the notion of going back to school <laughs> that much more daunting because we're finally getting some, some good weather just as I'm about to head back indoors. Um, the, the reality is, I don't remember a summer where people haven't complained about it one direction or the other. In my entire life, I'm, we Washingtonians just can't seem to get a grip on the fact that our weather is inconstant. We, we are not one of those parts of the world that has dead set consistent seasons that happen all the time regularly and the same way from year to year we have weird unusual weather my dad likes to joke that he's lived in washington now for you know 30 years and uh every year someone says to him unusual weather we're having for this time of year <laughs> and i i think i think he's right i i i have enjoyed the nice days we've had this summer i have wished for nicer days this summer but the the reality is it's a Washington summer you get what you get all right Allison from also a couple miles away in your opinion what is the most important invention ever so once to think of the printing press the transistor bicycles cotton fabric elastic I'm gonna put printing press above adhesive and elastic are you kidding me? Printing press has to be in the top three ever. Would you like to wear garters? What about opposable thumbs? Would I like thumbs? to not have instructions for things? I mean, without words, 
that aren't handwritten, many of the things that we take now wouldn't have been possible. Okay. Kelly, weigh in. Agriculture. That's not an invention. Yep. It yeah, it was. is. It's a technology. It's not an invention. It's not a technology. It's a series of technologies, all of which were no, invented to create agriculture. Agriculture is not a technology. You, you just Irrigation said it was. Is a, oh, sorry. Is a whatever you said. Irrigation <laughs> is... Agriculture is a thing. All right, then I'm going with opposable thumbs. Not an invention. <laughs> I'm Ready? saying printing press um, or transistor. How about the most important invention ever? Invader Zim? Sure. I'm going to go with the assembly line and replaceable parts. Uh, uh, how about democracy? No. <laughs> also an invention. Yeah, a creation see, of the human allow, mind. I will allow that. I, I don't think democracy is as important as some people think. I also think we should not discount elastic. Can you imagine underwear without Ooh, plastics. it? plastics. Yeah, plastics. There you go. All right. We got one here from Scott. I think we're going to table it for later. It's what is your biggest surprise, excitement, and disappointment of the show. Again, I move we table to yeah. our wrap-up. Right, so this is my plan. We, we do that. The biggest excitement, disappointment, the best... Coolest thing at coolest PAX. Coolest thing at PAX. And let's also put Rich's uh, best advice you've ever received. And and the hottest and or coolest costume. Elizabeth from yesterday. Well, that's my choice. You have to choose something else. No, we don't have to say different things. Oh. Elizabeth was the best because it was classy. It was classy. There'll be a picture. Despite being very cleavagey. That, that's true, but that's kind of the way corset dresses work. Yes. Uh, yes, you can do it without, but I'm just thinking of all the paintings I've seen from that era. Oh, I, I, it's not that, I mean, corsets give you cleavage. It just is a feature of... The, the corset it's what they're designed to do it's the the nature of the rest of the cut of the dress that I think is it's truly costumey as opposed to any kind of accurate depiction of realistic clothing on the flip it's side true. it's an accurate portrayal of the, the game character. the game she it's is extremely she good. is she was a very very good choice she was spot on whatever she I mean like the whatever modeling or acting agency found her for this her show her facial expressions were perfect yeah she she's earning her money remind me sure. to send a picture of her to Emily I think Emily would like that dress apart from the cleavage in I, I think Emily would like something more authentic than that dress but yeah the, definitely the, the colors and the ideas of it sure alright so for tomorrow we have those three questions to answer alright sounds good we'll come back to you then Day three at PAX, and Luke has discovered the real reason he bought the HP tablet, and it is... (laughs) Angry Birds. It really is as captivating as people thought it was. I I thought they were all high or just dumb, but it turns out that they know what they're talking about. We're on level 313 right now, I think. Some crazy Rube Goldberg with TNT, and I just cannot get this one pig to die. And how long have you spent on this one level, do you think? You would probably be a better estimate of that. Five, eight minutes, maybe? Something like that. It's just one stupid pig. Here he goes. Die from it. No! (laughs) And that's our morning, day three of PAX. We'll check in with you when they're, you know, when the pig is dead. So once again this year, Luke has gotten himself entered into a driving game tournament this year. What game are you playing this year, Luke? Looks like Dirt 3. Dirt 3. It looks like we're playing in the snow for this round. Um, buggies in the snow. Buggies in the snow. Good thing we practiced this. Uh, when was that? Uh, you played this level once. Yeah, I think I played it once at home. Okay, that's practice. 
So, uh, any idea what the prize is? Uh, I think you get some shirts and maybe some other lame stuff. I believe the real grand prize has something to do with Corsair hardware. So, some memory or a case. Something like that. Maybe a power supply. All right. So, possibly some awesome computer stuff. Indeed. The challenge is that I don't really need any of that stuff. Shut up, Kelly. Well, regardless, you've entered. You're excited. How do you, looking at it now, the first heat's going on. Uh, what do you think your chances are? Um, feeling pretty good from what I'm seeing, although I'm only seeing one dude. So I think I could beat Cyrus if, if it came to that. But, um, you know, who, who knows what's going to be like in my heat. It looks like there's four different classes, four guys each. So 16 of us are fighting for the grand prize. Very exciting. Kelly, what do you think of his chances? Uh, decent, I guess. It's hard to pass him. That, so he's got that. If he can get in front of people, then they'll have issues. He does have some some winning technique when it comes to racing games. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't. His his you can't pass me skills fall down the toilet when people ram into him. But um, if they're gonna play friendly and not want to hit him, then okay. Issues. I just saw a guy do a backflip off a wall. Yeah, that was weird. I, I think that falls under dangerous behavior. Let's see what's Is that on one our, of the PAX rules. rules? Drugs are bad, don't steal, don't kick or punch people, no cheating, don't harass anyone, don't spray paint on stuff. The closest would be number seven. Otherwise, don't mess with things that aren't yours. Well, but, he wasn't, but he wasn't really messing with the wall, he was just utilizing the wall. Eh, I still think that... That's like, like saying that like... The wall had a, had a say in it. I still think that in this crowded room, that's the kind of behavior that could get you in some trouble. There is no sign that says, do not put your feet on this wall. It's true. Common courtesy, people. Common courtesy. I think it was just, you know, what if he nailed a poor little kid or something? Exactly. Confession time. Luke is in the seat getting ready to drive in his first, well, in the semifinal heat of this Dirt 3 tournament. I'm not sure I can watch, so I will not be giving you a play-by-play. Kelly will not be giving you a play-by-play because he is on camera duty taking pictures. And Luke will not be giving you a play-by-play because, well, he will be racing. So um, we will come back to you after the heat is over. I am enthusiastic about Luke's chances, but very, very nervous. I'm standing across the way from the GameChurch.com booth, uh, Church for Gamers, and I, I have to break in to the podcast to tell you that there's a man dressed as Jesus, unsurprising at a Game Church booth. However, the man dressed as Jesus also appears to have gone to the zombie makeup counter in the Indie Games Hall and had his makeup and face paint done so that he is now zombie Jesus hanging out at the Game Church booth. I don't believe he is an official member of the Game Church crew, just hanging at the booth. Again, makes sense, but I thought it was pretty funny and I wanted to share. And a special PAX shout out for Josh. I'm standing in front of the Munchkin game collection and just want to read off a lot of the Munchkin games. I've got we've got Munchkin 4, The Need for Steed, uh, Munchkin 7, Cheat with Both Hands, Munchkin Go Up a Level, Munchkin Impossible, Munchkin Bites, which with vampires, Munchkin Foo, Munchkin Foo 2. Uh, Munchkin 6, Demented Dungeons, Munchkin Booty 2, Munchkin Cthulhu 4, Crazed Caverns. Um, so, you know, lots of Munchkin out here, Josh. You, you're really missing out not being a PAX. So, Luke, you have won your heat. You are moving on to the finals in the Dirt 3 Challenge. How are you feeling so far? I, I'm worried that I might have tipped my hand a little bit too soon. 
I, I thought about kind of throwing the race, not throwing the race, but not quite using the right lines for almost all of those laps. But I didn't know. It wasn't giving me split times to the guy behind me, so I wasn't sure. But I just beat everybody else by 18 seconds. Yeah, 18, 19 seconds. And I'm worried that the guys that were behind me were watching my technique. So I'm hoping that they cannot assimilate whatever they may have learned from me. Or there were a lot of guys watching you, and, and the, most of them that were. Sure, but like one of these guys in Heat 4, or maybe Nick or Ryan or whatever. Yeah. So... What was your total time? 456. Okay. So that was 13 watch, seconds I'm faster watch than. These next guys, see where we. Yeah, I know I sound like a, a conceited, horrible person, but I feel like I should have sandbagged that a little bit more. You are ridiculous. What? <laughs> I, that's all. I like to win. It is time for the finals. Luke is already in his seat, getting ready. I have turned my back to the screen because I just can't take the pressure. Thoughts, Kelly? I'm yeah. I'm really nervous for him. I really want him to win. Even though it's stuff he doesn't really want? Yeah, I mean, even even so, I, Luke's a really good racer, and he deserves it. And and, and we are ludicrously competitive. And, you and, do have to yeah. admit we are kind of crazy over Yeah, and, and honestly, this is becoming a tradition, Luke winning some kind of racing competition each time we come to PAX, so... I, actually, I was thinking earlier, how many years do you think it will be before Luke is banned from racing competitions at PAX for being too good? Um... I don't know. I think they'll start inviting him back. Be like, hey, it's our reigning champion. Who wants to unseat him? Uh, you know. That would be pretty sweet. If it was the same company doing it over and over again, I could see that happening. Like if this was a Logitech uh, yeah. competition, I can see that. But unfortunately, it is a, a different manufacturer that we are racing for this year. And yeah, it's not they have no idea about Luke's prowess. Yes, that's true. All right. Well, All right, here, the race is about here it goes. Start, so here Alrighty. Go. So, Luke. You won the tournament. I, I seem to be winning PAX tournaments. Yeah, this is kind of a tradition, I think, at this point. It's true. I'm thinking, you know, you just make the rounds every year, pick up all the expensive hardware you can, make everyone else cry. It's, you know, I, it, it I, is what it is. I do like making people cry. So first, tell us about the race itself. Uh, it was Dirt 3, Buggies in the Snow. I think I already told you that. Uh, it was the best from the respective semifinal rounds, and I ended up beating everybody. How? I went with a Lewis Hamilton. Well, so I did an inverse Lewis Hamilton. Uh, he is fast, but often does dumb things on the first lap because he knows he's fast and he thinks he can just push his way to the front. It's kind of a character flaw. I decided to learn from his mistakes and take it easy on the first lap and uh, just kind of wait for the race to come to me. Helped a little bit that your biggest competition spun on lap one. And that's what I was trying to avoid. I knew that four guys going into one hairpin was a really bad idea. I hung back. I think I was actually in fourth place going into that corner where they crashed. You started P4, so... Yeah. yeah. And I didn't, I, I, I didn't charge into it. I knew, I knew based on our, our qualifying times that I was at least a second per lap faster than anybody else. So the goal was to wait for my moment, hit the apex when I needed to, and just avoid their carnage. So it worked out pretty well. I That's pretty much how you won. I mean, the, some of the guys were, were quick like you, but they were just, they weren't consistent. They were knocking into each other, they were hitting walls, and they just couldn't keep up, so. My semi-final round, five laps, I did in four minutes, 56 seconds. The final round, I did in four minutes, 56 seconds. Yeah, it was fascinating, because normally these competitions that you enter are all time-based, and so it's about you dropping seconds, dropping seconds, and in this case, it was just about beating those other guys. You didn't have to be faster. Like any other sport or theater or whatever, it's about hitting your marks. You gotta just 
run your game, and if your game isn't as good as someone else, whatever. But if you try to overdo it, you're just going to get in trouble. And the, the other three guys seemed like really nice dudes afterwards. Everybody shook hands, yeah. congratulated each other. It was very pleasant. Seemingly, we all won a lot of stuff. I, I'm not sure. I didn't well, it sounded like the other guys won like small stuff. Like one of them won a headset. One of them won like a CPU or something. You won like yeah. So that case is. Wait, wait, wait. That, what case? Remember, so, so listeners is, haven't been with us this, this whole time. This is Corsair. They make computer hardware. So okay. I'm going to talk about computer hardware. The case is probably about $250, 280 uh, The memory, probably about $200. Water cooler might only be like 100 bucks. The SSD. Now, water cooler. This is a piece of computer hardware people are not familiar with. It is basically a radiator for your computer. Okay, there thank you. There is water inside of this unit. Um, the the SSD one is probably close to 350. Solid state drive. Yes, sorry, hard okay. drive with no moving parts. Uh, I won like a $80 flash drive. I won some kind of speaker setup that I've never heard of before, probably a couple hundred bucks. I won like a $200 headset. Um, I think there was some for playing dirt. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it wasn't I, I did three races total. And I guess for me, for me, the most surprising part is this wasn't even like a hardcore racing game. This was a, a fairly casual game. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised. I thought, I literally thought you were going to win a headset, and that was it. I thought they were going to give me a choice. It's actually really awkward because the guy says, all right, what would you like? And I was like, all right, um, like the headset would be cool. And he's like, well, what case do you want? And I was like, what do you mean what case do I want? He's like, well, you get one of everything we make. And I, and I said, what? And he goes, yeah. Did, were you thinking about this last night? And I was like, no. Yeah. I, I, I didn't really understand what the prize was. Uh, can you give me like five minutes? And so then Melissa and I kind of frantically looked through their pamphlet and walked around. And it was kind of chaos. So I'm going to ask you the question I asked Kelly before you started this race. How long do you think it will be before you are banned from <laughs> racing tournaments at PAX? Uh, as long as I keep going to a different hardware manufacturer, I think it should be okay. And that concludes the saga of Luke's victory this year. There should be pictures to accompany this in the podcast, or maybe we'll make a little Facebook album of Luke and his winning poster and all of his goodies when they arrive. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be back with, with more packs wrap-up from day three. Okay, kids, it's time for some uh, some kind of PAX thoughts, games we played over the last couple of days. Uh, we're recording. I, I know how to do this. I just how close it was to your mouth that we were getting it. Right. We're in the car now, so oh. I should probably lean in. Hi. I, I can move the microphone when, when it's time. All right. <laughs> what I'd like to know about are some thoughts about some of the games we've played that we may not have gotten back to because of other excitement. Um, Kelly, I'm going to hand you the microphone, give you a couple minutes, talk to us about some games you played and what you thought of them. All right. Um, well, I guess one of the, one of the big ones that I kind of discovered this weekend was Trials. HD for the... No? no? Trials uh, Revolution. Trials Revolution, sorry. Okay, it's called Trials Revolution. It's essentially a... You're, it's like a motorbike game, but the goal is not to, you know, race on a road. You're, you're on a fixed track, and the, and the trick of it is to get over obstacles without landing on your driver's... Or your... Yeah, your rider's head and, and crushing his skull, basically. Um... See what else was amazing this weekend? I'm kind of intrigued to try Firefall. It was all over packs, freaking everywhere. It was like you couldn't get away from it. It was in the bathrooms, in the friggin' bathrooms, and it was it was everywhere. And they had the the biggest display at the show. Um, 
but I was interested in the last year. I wasn't sure what it was called. It's this great kind of MMO online shooter that, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I hate MMOs for the reason that they suck your life up and there's no end to them. But this one, this one looks like it could be from fun for a month or two. Uh, so I might check it out. Uh, what else did I like? You, you, uh, you cut in front of a poor little child to play Mass Effect 3. Uh, that's right, yeah. I, uh, so we, we got up to the Mass, Mass Effect 3 booth, and we saw there was an open station, and nobody was taken. And we're like, dude, sweet, I'm going to sit down. And so I sat down, I start playing it, and, you know, three, four minutes later, I hear Luke talking to some lady behind me. I turn around, she's like, yeah, my son's been waiting here for a long time to play this, and you guys just cut right in front of us. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I felt re- like a really big douchebag, so I I got up real pretty quick. Um, I don't know. I didn't feel like number three was terribly different from number two, other than some. I mean, I didn't get it to play it for very long, but it's, I see the the cover system is improved, so that's nice. Let's see what else was amazing today. We got to wa- oh okay, so we got to watch the Borderlands demo, Borderlands two. And I actually thought we were going to get to play it, but it was nice either way, just seeing seeing them play the demo for us because they were able to talk us through the new changes and, and we got to see, you know, firsthand what they had changed uh, to improve number two over the first one, which I thought was a pretty, pretty near to flawless game on its own. It was super fun. I played it for 100 hours, I'll bet. Um, but it... it uh, They've improved on it, <laughs> and it still it still has that great kooky Borderlands feel. So I'm I'm super excited. All right, Luke, talk to me about some games you've played. Uh, yesterday I played Forza Motorsport Four. Uh, it's a lot like uh, Forza Motorsport Three. Uh, they've definitely improved the graphics, which is nice. Uh, the physics were supposed to be radically different because they've teamed up with uh, Pirelli, the Formula One tire sponsor. I didn't really sense any difference between three and four. Um, car car selection and stuff like that has improved, so it's a natural evolution of the of the system. If you like uh, Forza series, you will probably be really in love with four. If you did not like any previous Forzas, I wouldn't recommend getting four. Um, we played Tribes Ascent or Ascend. For people that like the old Tribes game, I think you'll like this. Uh, it's kind of like it's a first-person shooter on PC uh, vehicles foot combat some kind of air vehicles as well um, think kind of like Warhawk or Battlefield if you're familiar with those games except it's Basically way Halo. <laughs> it looks like Halo it's got kind of the aesthetics of you know the, the lighting and the color choices of Halo but in terms of gameplay it's more like Unreal Tournament just really fast crazy high jumps crazy high speed um, I calculated at one point that when you are at top velocity, your character might be moving in excess of 140 miles an hour. Not exaggerating that at all. On foot. On foot. On Sorry, foot. I should I should mention that on foot. Uh, yeah, just mad. I, I was looking at distances based on like hills and and player size, thinking yeah, that's about a mile. So I got my phone, started timing it, did some math. And so yeah, about 140 miles an hour. Uh, just madness. Um, what else? I really like the Trials Revolution that Kelly talked about. And, um... You played a 3DS? I played, yeah, I played a Nintendo 3DS. I played some kind of Mario game 
looks very much like Mario 64. I, and, I believe it's a 3D revamp. Yeah, well, it's not the exact same levels as 64, okay. but I, I think it's basically a, like a spiritual successor, um, which is good because Mario Sunshine was terrible. Uh, but I was just impressed with the 3D of the 3DS. I did not assume that it would work very well, but it really surprised me. The little slider on the side of the case allows you to adjust it away from a flat 2D screen like your normal DS would be, all the way up to a very like pitched 3D, you know, Z-space um, environment. And it works great. Kelly played Mario Kart, and he said it was also pretty good. So those are the the games oh also yeah like kelly said borderlands 2 is amazing uh, i'm very thankful that the team has basically decided to keep many of the core elements that we liked from the first one it's got kind of the same graphics it's got the same humor uh the ui is the same the crazy amount of guns is not as crazy but it's still more than you'll find in pretty much anything else numbers still pop off dudes heads it's really really good i'm that might be in my top three most excited four games and that includes stuff like Uncharted and The Last Guardian. Sounds like it's a, a fairly successful weekend. I, I didn't play a whole lot after Friday. You played, you played Rayman with us today. I sort of played Rayman with you today. Mostly I just fell off of things and became a bubble. I wasn't all that enthused by Rayman. Um, I, I like the fact that no, you don't really die. You You know, there's always an opportunity for a player to bring you back into the game and allow you to carry on. They're not characters or anything that I'm super excited about, so I wasn't very exciting. We do have some listener questions. We will start with... I think we should do all three of the PAX ones at once. All right, we'll do all three of the PAX ones at once. So the questions are, I really don't understand why it's three, because it's apparently the most exciting thing, the coolest thing, Maybe those will be different for Luke. It was surprising. Oh, so okay. Surprising, disappointing, and coolest. So Kelly's still thinking back there, um, trying desperately to come up with his list. So Luke, in any order that you like, surprising, exciting, and disappointing of PAX? Uh, biggest disappointment that Sony did not bring the Vita here. It might have been buried somewhere in some small booth. By yeah, there were rumors. We, we heard rumors, but we were all over the Sony booth for three days, and we never saw any sign of the Vita. And that's really disappointing. I, I was really hoping to finally get my eyes on that thing. I've heard the screen is some kind of amazing. Now, I guess probably I won't see it until it comes out. Uh, the biggest surprise, I would say I was really quite impressed with how good Starhawk looks. I know I mentioned that before, but that game looks shippable right now. I I am really curious why. They, I, I am actually thinking they are holding on to it for strategic positioning that it's done now, but they don't want to go up against, you know, Modern Warfare 3 and Battlefield and Skyrim and Uncharted and all of these other games that they are intentionally withholding it until maybe, you know, March or whatever, um, you know, part of next year makes most strategic sense for business because um, it is done and that's really encouraging because I love Starhawk so um, that would be my biggest uh, surprise the coolest thing I'm going to have to just go a blanket statement and say the indie games but more specifically the Chasing Aurora game and not just because of 
the game itself, but I really enjoyed the two guys that were there. They were just really cool, really honest. In fact, uh, they are probably going to be listening to the things I just said of them because they gave me their business card and said they wanted to listen to the podcast. Um, but they were just so charming and personable and great when things didn't go quite right, when a controller got unplugged or the demo crashed or people had questions. They were just so hospitable and wonderful. So those are my three. Uh, for me, I would say, I'll start with the uh, biggest disappointment. Um, I think the biggest disappointment is that I'm getting old and I uh, can't handle the constant sensory overload that is the Expo Hall. Um, we've heard from other podcasts that as PAX has gotten bigger and the Expo Hall has kind of become another E3 or another Tokyo Game Show or something like that, the booths are getting bigger and flashier and as a result, they are getting louder in order to compete with one another and the lines were so long for some of the games which i don't have a problem with people want to play the game there's only but so many consoles computer stations whatever that you can have in place there's going to be long lines but being in the long lines for me was made doubly uncomfortable by the fact that half the time you're in line or more you're standing directly across from another booth that is blaring something whether it's a game or music or an announcer at full volume, unnecessarily loudly, with no way to control for it. I, I spent most of the day today, Sunday, with earplugs in, in the expo hall, um, which made me no fun to be around because I can't talk to anyone when I have earplugs in. But I, I, I just couldn't take it anymore. It was way, way too loud. And I think it really reduces the experience of some of the games. I, I think... We don't play any of these games in such a chaotic, loud environment. And so I don't think we really get to appreciate what they, what they really were. Um, to that end, I think that it was a bonus that the indie games got moved to a separate floor entirely. Because I could actually enjoy the indie games area. Not just because they were games I could play <laughs> or any of that, but because it wasn't quite so loud in there. And I could see the games and I could appreciate the games and I could enjoy the games. Um, so for me, probably, um, you know, coolest thing were uh, some of the indie games we got to play. Uh, I really liked Jamestown. I mean, it was a stupid, you know, shooting game that had essentially no story and a kind of a silly no, no, little no, gimmick. No. It had a story. It was 1629 Colonial Mars. But there's no story. It's a gimmick that allows you to shoot Martians. <laughs> but that's what I enjoyed about it is it was a clever and, you know, somewhat historic, well, you know, alternate <laughs> alternate history gimmick, which I like. It's it's not one that, that gets used very well in video games. There are video games that try with some alternate history stuff, and some of them, like I think the new Bioshock is gonna be pretty successful with some alternate history and, and whatnot, but for the most part, it, it gets way too spacey. And this was, you know, British redcoats with muskets shooting at aliens. And I dug it, I thought it was pretty cool. I also really liked Word Fighter. I'm not an iPad gamer, I've discovered. It's a, it's a platform I've not yet mastered. But I, I, I thought it was clever. I liked the fact that the avatars were actual literary authors with special powers related to their writing style. Um, some of them were generic powers, but some of them were, you know, specialty powers, which I thought was, was fairly clever and cool. Biggest surprise that I did not see more people I knew. You would think, you know, but perhaps this, 
the fact that it's sold out, the fact that it's gotten bigger and bigger over the years, the fact that I had my earplugs in, couldn't hear anybody anyway. <laughs> Even if I did see someone I knew, I couldn't talk to them. I, I didn't see more people I knew, and I'm surprised by that. Kelly, how about you? Cool things, surprising things, and disappointments. Well, I guess we all started with disappointments. So I guess my biggest disappointment, which is... Anyway, okay, uh, is probably that we still have nothing from Fumito Ueda about uh, The Last Guardian, which is the follow-up to Eco and Shadow of the Colossus. Um, and and uh, honestly, the, the funny thing about that is that even if it had been there, I'm not sure I actually would have gone to the booth because that's one of those games that's so important to me. It's like... Oh, it, it, it's gonna it's gonna tear me apart emotionally, and I only have like one emotion, so it's it's gonna hurt. Um, I yeah, I'm not sure I would have gone to it because it would have. I mean, it's 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 one of those blackout situations where you don't want to know about it until you actually have the full game sitting in front of you and you can just devour it. So that's probably my biggest disappointment, sorta. <laughs> uh, let's see, biggest surprise. I have no idea. I really don't. Um, I wasn't surprised by a lot, I guess. Was there anything that you didn't think you'd like that you ended up liking? Or something like Trials? Something like Trials. I guess tr- Trials, yeah. I guess that could be the biggest surprise. Just not expecting. Because, you know, the Trials HD has been out for a while now, and I never touched it. And just sitting down with Revolution for, like, five minutes, and I was just hooked. I'm, I, in fact, I'll probably buy HD tonight when I get home and play it for an hour before I go to bed. So that was a nice surprise, yeah. Uh, let's see, and so biggest, what's the other thing? Coolest. Coolest thing. Coolest thing. Um, coolest thing, definitely lunch with Robin Hunicky from That Game Company. The, and I think the biggest surprise for, okay, here's the biggest surprise, was when we got to this lunch, which I was expecting to just be flooded with people, we were the only three there, and that was, I mean, it, I, I would have liked for them, for there to be more people, but for us, the fact that we were the only ones there was, like, just the biggest treat, because we got to have all of our answers, or all of our questions questions answered. It's late. Don't judge me. <laughs> uh, we got all of our questions answered. We got to, you know, have a one-on-one with Robin for, like, an hour and a half. It was just magical. Just magical. I loved it. All right. I should probably wrap this thing up. It's probably going to be close to two hours, depending on what makes it in and what doesn't. I just want to thank everybody that toughed it out to this point. It has been a wild adventure of a weekend. It's only been three days, but it feels like it's been a week and a half. I'm exhausted. I'm looking forward to normal life. I'm looking forward to, like, detoxifying from all the horrible things that I touched and just kind of falling back into the pattern. Um, Our next episode should go up on... September 7th should have Jackie and Scott on it should be really quite good I'm looking forward to that one quite a bit Jackie is tons of fun and Scott loves to debate things so that one should be quite entertaining we'll try to keep it to 60 minutes if not it'll probably be around 75 Um, but in the meantime feel free to send us uh, some email at tnspodcast at gmail.com you can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash TNSpodcast. And if you are catching us on iTunes, make sure to give us a rating, hopefully a good one. So I think with that, we are checking out for PAX 2011.